Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. the Lord. Good morning or good evening, wherever you are watching from today. May I remind you what day it is. Rick, help me out. The day the Lord has made. Come on. And we will rejoice and be glad. But it is also Thanksgiving Day. And I am thankful that I get to spend this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, sorry, with you. You know, we have a lot to be thankful for. We know what we focus on is what we give power to. It is how we enter into his courts and his gates with thanksgiving in our heart and his gates with praise. Can we give God some praise in the house for these guys? <laughs> I got a couple uh, shout outs to give this morning. If you can just bear with me, our family goes way uh, beyond Chilliwack to even Abbotsford. Abbotsford. Hi, Nick. <laughs> I see Nick is watching in Abbotsford. Uh, we also have Christopher who's listening in uh, from Rwanda in Africa. Yep. That's why I say whether it's morning or evening, uh, we have all our men watching that are living life, not just in recovery, but discovery at the Joshua House right now. Can you give them a big round of applause? Same with our, our women at Westminster that, that tune in every time and Ruth and Naomi's that are tuning in right now. Let's give God some praise for all the staff and the people that are doing that and making that possible. Awesome. So, And uh, for you guys, again, for being here. Do you know that we, it was just a few hours ago, it wasn't that long ago, that right here, two amazing people said, I do. <laughs> they did. Yeah, we had a wedding. I don't know, were any of you out for that wedding? Just applause if you were out for the wedding. That was amazing. That was incredible. And the whole church transformed again. You wouldn't know if you went into the kids' theater. The kids' theater actually looks better than it's ever looked before. But that was a dining hall uh, for the reception after. And I'm just so proud of this church family and everyone that contributed to that wedding. And... uh, to Dell and uh, Krista, actually, I'll give a shout out to them. They're probably watching from home this morning, so we congratulate you, and we understand you need some you time. That's that's good. That's good. So um, we've been doing this series. Can I count on you? You know, it, it is a question that we ask others in our life, but we need to ask ourselves: Is can others count on us? And I want to encourage you uh, today again that you know there's times where we let each other down and we don't always measure up and others may let us down but there's one that you can always count on and that is the Lord he will never leave you nor will he forsake you that he always goes before you he prepares a table even in front of your enemies (laughs) you know and that all things work together for good for those of us that love the Lord so uh, this message is is a message we're going to get real we're going to talk about family today it's going to be can your family count on you And there is so much potential that God has placed in our family. And I understand if you feel like your family hasn't quite lived up to that potential just yet, that maybe your children haven't lived up to the potential in what you see in them, or maybe even yourself um, being a student, or maybe you're like me and you're a parent of many, and you know that God wants to do more in you and through you, whether you're a father or a mother, an uncle, or an aunt, a grandma, or a grandpa, 
we are all part of this family, are we not? And so the reality is not everything lines up with the intention and expectations that we have versus what actually happens. And um, if you felt like you haven't quite measured up yet, that's okay. Um, there could be a dream. That's what I want to talk about. There could be a vision that you have for your family that God has placed inside of you. And as you think of that vision, that perfect godly vision, not just a God-sized vision, but a God-given vision for your family, uh, I want to encourage you not to be discouraged if you're not quite there yet. Because sometimes maybe it's going to take a miracle, and maybe it's going to take God. Well, actually, let me correct that. It will take God. Because we were all created to be in relationship with Him. He is our Abba Father. Okay? And without Him, we can do nothing. Jesus said that He is the vine and we are the branches. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. And, and, and so we were created to be in relationship with Him. And so I want to encourage you. That's exactly what you need right now. You need a word from God. And He's got a word for you. He's got a word for your family. I'm telling you, your family is waiting on you and counting on you. And you can count on God. You can count on God today. So if you can relate to any of this, maybe you have an absolutely perfect family and everything just goes great for you. You can be dismissed right now. No, just kidding. But even if things are going good, they can always be better. Can they not? They can always be better. And, and I believe that this message is going to speak to you in a powerful way. And as I mentioned before, we know that families don't always agree. And it can be messy. But not in our house, right, honey? Nope, it's always get a little giggle out of her. And we don't always measure up. But that's the Bible is full of stories of families that didn't measure up either. Families that fought one another, tried to kill one another. Families where, where there was a mess and God used that mess to deliver a message. Families that went through such pain and God took it and turned it into purpose. And I want to talk about one family in particular that came to mind as I thought I would share a message about family on Thanksgiving weekend. And that's Jacob's family. Jacob had many sons, and he had one particular son named Joseph. And if you know where I'm going with this story, you'll know that in that family there was fighting, and there was attempted murder. <laughs> Good thing they didn't follow through. But in that mess, again, God had a message. And, and as messed up as this family may have seemed, as we go through this story, you're going to find hope. And you're going to find a lesson to be learned that you can apply in your own life right here, right now. So if you brought your Bibles with you, good job. <laughs> if you didn't bring your Bibles with you, you probably got one of these. And on it, you will find the Bible, U version. if you go to our website. Hold it up if you got your Bible on your phone. That's the best tool you could use with that phone. <laughs> the Bible, God's Word. Thank you. Uh, you can go to our website there, and my notes are also under there. Uh, uh, if you click on events, uh, just remember to save your events or you lose your notes. So I'm supposed to let you guys know that. So Genesis 37, that's where we're going. I'm actually going to take you probably from Genesis 37 right to 42. I'm going to bounce around in there and give you a little context. So I told you about this messed up family. 
These are the descendants from, we learned about Abraham not that long ago and how God had this big vision for this family. For Abraham's family to be so big that it would be more than the stars that he could count. That's how big his descendants would be. And, and you know, for that to become a reality, well, he had to have a child. <laughs> and, uh, it, and it was probably frustrating for both uh, Abraham and Sarah to have to wait till Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 years old before they conceived and gave birth to their first son. But remember, that was the big dream. That was the big vision that God had placed in this family. And so if you go down, now you've got, you had Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons, okay. And you got Abraham, and then you got Isaac, and then you got Jacob, okay? And so this is Jacob's family, and that vision that God had was still for Jacob's family. And Jacob had this, the youngest son, and the Bible says was his favorite, by the way. I know we joke around as parents sometimes, you know, like, or as kids, like, I'm the favorite. But in this case, he was actually the favorite. Not only did Jacob have a favorite son, he even had a favorite wife. Yeah, I know everyone's so shocked. <gasps> Look it up. <laughs> Rachel was his favorite, and therefore, his son Joseph was his favorite. And then, because he was his favorite, Joseph was given this, like, Gucci coat. But not like mine, this isn't Gucci. A coat of many colors. His brothers already didn't like him. And then dad had to put this big kick me sign on him. And everywhere he went, he would wear this coat. And not only did he stand out and he was different, but he was given a dream by God. And in that dream, his family would bow down to him. Now you can imagine once he shared the dream with his brothers, how well that went. Not so good. But we're going to take it from Genesis 37, verses 4 and 5. And I want to pull out three points today. Three things that you can take to the bank. And it says here in verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more, more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Let's talk about the dreamer. How many dreamers in the house today? Mm, I love you guys. I'm a big dreamer. But every family should have a dream. Every family should have a vision. Not a, just a God-sized vision, but a God-given vision. And if you're not sure the plans that God has for your family, look up Jeremiah 29, 11. If you haven't yet memorized it, it's to prosper your family not to harm your family, and to give your family a hope and a future. And so we've got the dreamer in the story, wearing the coat not just of many colors, but the coat of his calling. And when Joseph was 17, he had this dream, and it says that his brothers hated him all the more for it. That's saying his brothers didn't like him in the first place. We could debate whether it was wise or not for Joseph to share the dream with his brothers. Let's be honest. There is such a thing as talking too much, posting too much, and sharing too much about what God has placed on your heart. Would you agree? Okay. And from a biblical perspective, we know Joseph was different. As I mentioned before, same dad, different mom. 
And he's got this coat that makes him stand out. The brothers hated him because he was different. Nowadays, people expect what is the same, and they will eventually respect what is different. The moment you realize your difference, you tend to downplay your distinctiveness. Do you not? Why? In order to fit in, in order to conform. I'll say that again. The moment we define our distinctiveness or our difference, we downplay that distinctiveness in order to fit in. How will you respond to the dream that God has given you for your family in this church? Will you dare to be different? Or will you try to conform to the patterns of this world and do the same thing that everybody else is doing and expect different results? Say, not I. Right on. You know, I think of Joseph and, and when I was a kid, if I would get teased, you know, for wearing pants that were too baggy in the 90s or in my home, I'll just tell you this, we shopped at thrift stores growing up. And so I was always a decade, a decade behind in the trends or way ahead, depending on how you looked at it. <laughs> so when my mom would bring acid wash jeans home and we were past that stage and I would wear them to school, I would get made fun of. So I would a lot of times change the way that I looked and dressed in order to fit in. Am I speaking to anyone? And you might not do it with clothes, but you might do it with other things that you tolerate in your life that have become your standards. Where God has given you something and he wants to see something different happen in your family. But instead of looking to your calling, you look to conform to your comforts. You with me? Okay. So I can relate, but I, I got to give it to Joseph because he had the courage to wear his coat. He had the courage to wear his calling. And some of us are constantly trying to change the dream and the desires that the Lord has for us and our family. And if we're trying to conform, we're going to miss out. You'll miss out on your miracle. You'll miss out on the message. Do you have the courage as a family to wear the calling? that God has placed on your life? Can he count on you? Can your family count on you to wear the coat of your calling? In verse 19 to 20, <laughs> just before this, Jacob sends his son, Joseph, out to go see his brothers to see how they're doing in the fields. And so he goes out there to tend to his brothers and this is their response when they see him coming. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. <laughs> what evil brothers. This is the second point I want to talk about. First of all, you have a dream, a God-given dream. But anytime you have a God-given dream, you're going to be faced with the deceiver. The deceiver is not flesh and blood. It's not the person. The deceiver is the devil. In Revelations 12, 9, it literally says the devil is the one deceiving the whole world. 
you can bet with your dream, he's going to try to deceive and distract you from making moves of faith. So can your, can your family count on you to fulfill the calling even in the face of conflict? Especially when the devil tries to distract you or deceive you. Joseph's brothers were trying to take Joseph out of the picture, but you can't steal what God has sealed. You can't steal what God has sealed. He has anointed you, he has appointed you, and he has called you by name. He has set you apart and set you up for such a time as this. If he said it, it's been sealed. Verse 31, they got Joseph's robe. They slaughtered a goat and they dripped the robe in the blood. They took the robe back to their father and said, we found this. Examine it and see whether it is your son's robe. This morning, when I was thinking about this message on the way here, this is what I got. When Jacob looked at the robe, he thought that his son had died because he couldn't distinguish between the blood of a goat and the blood of our God. Listen to what I'm saying here. We are sanctified by the blood of the lamb, the blood of Jesus. And sometimes in the natural, it, it appears that we've been destroyed, but God's not done. Come on. God's not done for his battle has already been won. I've said this before. I'll say it again. There's victory in the valley. There's victory in the valley. Victory belongs to the Lord. When some of us will realize we no longer have to fight for that victory in our family. When we have Christ as the center, we are covered with the blood of Jesus. His covenant, his promise is bigger than our problems. And when we recognize that, we fight from a place of victory. We stand on the word of God, the truth that sets us free. Isn't that right, Bryce? Isn't that right, brother? We don't stand on the worries of this world and what isn't working. We stand on the God that is always working and his name is Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? It might look like in your family you've been defeated, but God is not done. For in his eyes, the battle has already been won. You just need to learn to fight from victory. You need to know that you are called. And don't let somebody else try to beat that distinctiveness out of you. Tear your coat. And don't forget, your coat is covered in the blood of the lamb, not some goat. Even if they take everything from you, they cannot take what is within you. Even if they criticize you for it, don't check your coat. Don't check your coat at the door of culture. Respond by being optimistic. But he, because he's the God of your future. Who overcomes your failure. Walk in the faith of freedom. Freedom. 
When a God-sized dream gets a hold of your family, you respond different, you walk different, and you're gonna talk and do different. Fast forward. Joseph finds himself in a pit. He's later sold into slavery. He ends up working for a man named Potiphar, who's an Egyptian who works for Pharaoh. And if you go to Genesis 39, the men and I studied this morning. In Genesis 39, it says that Potiphar saw the blessing and the favor on Joseph. So he put Joseph in charge of his whole house and everything in it. And when he did that, he was blessed. He was blessed. Not just Joseph, the whole house was blessed because the favor was on Joseph. I want you to know this. All of you that have a relationship with God, you wear a coat and its fabric is the favor of your father. So wear it. When you get blessed and others invite you into their family, into the workplace, they get blessed. It's biblical. And at the same time, be careful who you invite into your home and into your heart. It'd been great if it was just Joseph that was in charge, but it says in Genesis 39, there was a time when the servants weren't around and it was just Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And the Bible says that Joseph was a handsome man. He was a strong man. And the husband was away and Potiphar's wife wasn't a godly woman, obviously. And she tried to force Joseph to sleep with her. And he said, no, I've been in put in charge of everything, but I will not touch my master's wife. And so she, she because of that, he grabbed his coat and he took off. And, he, and she told everybody else that he tried to force himself on her. I'm telling you, there's some men and maybe some women in the house that need to know this. Don't let lust become your limitation. And it's not, Joseph wasn't even at fault. But because he had an alibi, it seemed like his dream was about to die. Wrong time, wrong place. Don't put yourself there. And some of you are thinking, well, I don't have no Potiphar's wife getting in the way. But I'll tell you that. There's some men out there right now. This is Potiphar's wife. Be careful what you let in. I hope you hear this with conviction and not condemnation. There's just some things that you need to learn that's not wise. And, and it's like the servants weren't around. And then something snuck in. Make sure you have the right people around. Make sure you're going to the right things, the right time, and you have the right people in your home around you at all times, in the business or wherever you're going. Sorry, I just felt that was for somebody that was not in my notes. So fast forward, there he is, and it's not looking good for Joseph. Now Joseph gets put in the prison. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house. Now he's in the prison. But it says even in the prison, the warden saw the favor 
and the blessing that was on Joseph, even there, and he put him in charge of the other inmates. Even in the prison, there's favor on him. He's wearing the coat of favor. And I'm telling you this, it was in his, what seemed like a season of suffering, that the Lord was teaching him the true meaning of passion. Remember this, the word passion comes from the Latin word passio, which in the first time it came up was in the 12th century. The first time ever in the English language was to describe Christ's suffering for you and me on the cross. Passion, that's passion. Being able to suffer through what God is calling you to because you love that person so, so much. And he learned what it meant to suffer and to have sight and to see things that he had never seen before because when he was in prison, God gave him the ability not just to be the dreamer, but to interpret dreams. He started interpreting dreams. The baker, there was a baker and he didn't have such a good dream. It didn't end well for him. And there was a cupbearer and his dream ended well for him. He said, you know, soon you're going to be serving the king again. You're going to have, you're going to be serving his cup and remember me. Do you think he remembered him right away? No, he didn't remember him until there was another problem. And there was a dream that was given to Pharaoh that no one else could interpret. All of his wise counsel could not interpret the dream that was in Pharaoh because they needed the dreamer that was locked up in prison to come and interpret that dream. In that dream, there was these, these fat cows, seven fat cows and the skinny cows and they come and they eat the fat cows. And it just messed Pharaoh up. He couldn't figure it out. And Joseph comes forward and he gives credit where credit is due, and he says, you're going to have seven years of plenty. Then you're going to have seven years of famine. And he asked Joseph, well, what would you do? He says, well, I put somebody in charge in the seven years of plenty to get ready for the seven years of famine. And would you believe this? He put Joseph in charge. Number two, number two next to Pharaoh. They, they put, put a ring on his finger. He was number two in all of Egypt, an Israelite, a Hebrew. Someone that knew what it was like to be cast aside, to be laughed at for his dream, was now able to walk it out and invite his family in, in a season of fam famine. He was able to bring Israel, bring Jacob, who was given the name Israel. That's where we get the Israelites from God because Jacob himself wrestled with God. And then in, in um, sorry, I didn't put the verse on there. You're gonna have to look it up. I think it's 40 or 41. We might show up on the screen. In verse three, the Lord says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. He's saying this to Jacob. He says, for I will make you into a great nation. I will go down to Egypt with you. I will surely bring you back again and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba and Israel's sons took their father, Jacob, and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh sent to transport him. And so Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt 
taking with them their livestock, their possessions that they had acquired in Canaan. We talked about the dream. We talked about the deceiver. Let's talk about the deliverer. <laughs> Jesus said in, in John 10, 10, the thief, the deceiver, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Only to steal, kill, and destroy your family. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Your family. Would you stand with me? Remember when it comes to our family. You might feel like you've been experiencing some sort of famine in your family right now. It, it might be finances. It might be a lack of expectation. It, it might be that you're struggling with communicating. But whatever that is, the Lord is here to tell you something that is greater than the reason. Jesus is the reason. It's the revelation that he's your father, that he loves you, he's got you. He's here to restore. He's here to heal. He's here to provide. If you'll just trust in him, even through the pain, even through the pain, his promise is greater. He's the author. He is the finisher of our faith. So if you feel like you're in some kind of pit right now or some kind of prison, it might even be in your mind. There's a name that will get us from the lowest place that we may face. And it is that name that we lift higher than any other name. It is our praise that will move us from the pit to the palace. The takeaway I want to leave with you today is this. Say, my family can count on me because I am called because I am covered and I am delivered. Remember, they crucified Jesus because he was different. Different set of values, a different kind of dream. That dream lives within you. And if you're here today, and you've been experiencing more dysfunction than you have a dream, I'd invite you to let that dreamer inside of you right now. I'd encourage you. Paul said in Romans 10 verse 9, if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God the Father raised his son from the grave, making him Lord over our life, we will be saved. What better thing to do than on Thanksgiving? Why wait? He wants to meet you right now, where you're at in this moment. So I'm going to lead us through a prayer. And we're going to do just that. It'd be an honor if you prayed it with me right here, right now. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you 
for this day, for this moment. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for being risen from the grave, for overcoming sin and death, for seeing the best in me and my family. Forgive me for my sins. I choose now to follow you, to make you Lord over my life, Lord over my family. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just stay in this moment with eyes closed and heads bowed? If you prayed that prayer, either for the first time or you're coming back to him on this Thanksgiving weekend, would you just give me a thumbs up? All heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I, I don't, yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. God sees you. He sees your past, he sees your present, and most importantly, he sees your future. Lord, I pray a blessing over my family and friends. I pray a blessing over the extended family that has joined you now. I thank you, Lord, that you surround them with your favor, that blessings chase them, that they would wear the coat of their calling for them and their family. They wouldn't check it at the door of culture, but, Lord, that they would wear the favor, the fabric of your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to continue to respect uh, the moment right now and what God's doing in the moment. We're going to continue to step forward and give praise to our God. I, I know every time we come in with things that or we need healing, we need restoration. You don't just need a message, you need a miracle. <laughs> if I'm speaking to you, would you just give me a thumbs up? You could use a miracle right now. You know someone in your family. Yes, I got mine up too, by the way could use a miracle and we believe that our God is in the miracle working business so we're going to continue to press in and pray and one of the miracles that might happen for someone here right now is stepping into baptism with Jesus at College Street at Victory Church we are commissioned to go into all the world making disciples baptizing in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey his commands and surely he is with us always even to the ends of the earth and so we don't make it difficult. If you need to know what it means to be baptized, I'm going to tell you. If you can understand salvation in a relationship with Jesus, you can understand baptism. For Romans, it says that when we are baptized, we are baptized with Christ. We are buried with him and we are resurrected with him. When we go under the water, it represents when he went to the grave. When we come up out of the water, it represents our resurrection with him. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. And if you study your Bible, you will know this happened instantly when people chose to follow Jesus. So if that's you today and you'd like to be baptized, we have clothes, we've got towels, and we'd be honored to step in with you at any time. Feel free to come forward. Let's worship. 
Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time. Thank you.